Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. TJ. Um, here we are rolling into, uh, I believe, week four of our uh, fertility and infertility talk. Can you believe it's been four weeks already? Yeah. Aaron Speaks, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Speaks. I just had a, we just had a, a, a client in the office here. Oh, it's been a week or two ago. And they laughed at, they're like, we loved your show, but it's funny how one show turns into two or three or four. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of happens. Um, you know, we just want to get the information out. And right. so. Well, and I think that that, and we've talked about that before, um, the fact that it's our intention a lot of times for this to be one show, but it's either we cut out a lot of the information or we carry it over. And from the feedback that we've gotten from everyone, they would rather us actually give them the information than to put it into like this bite size, you know, this one show where you get part of the information, but then you don't really know what to do with it yet because we weren't able to cover any of it. So we get things into things more in depth. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. Um, I prefer to be a little more in depth with uh, with some of this information because it's just hard to it's just hard to glaze over the top and and just well, there aren't easy answers, and that's no. really the whole basis of you know the clinic that we have is that right. you know it really and people that email us or, or post messages on Facebook notice that they're the, the answer is not really that simple. Yeah, if it is, I mean, you know, and I totally get you know, I mean, people asking questions, I appreciate the questions coming in, but a lot of times, you know. I will say, TJ, there's a question on Facebook, and he'll say, well, I can't give any yes or no answer. And so we go through that a lot where, um, you know, or people emailing or private messaging us and things, um, asking questions. And, you know, I mean, so those of you who have done that know, but it's, if you want a simple answer, well, go to a medical doctor and they'll give you an exact answer that may or may not apply to you. But, um, you know, and may or may not be wrong. (laughs) But I mean, the thing is, is that if we give a definitive answer, I mean, we can tell you what is the average, but not knowing anything about a person, you don't have any idea if it applies to you or not. Right. So the last three shows, um, we've been talking about various aspects of fertility and or infertility. We kind of told our story as well. Um, So I'm not going to, go through and hash through all that again go back listen to the shows that are on soundcloud um and itunes and check them out there um to get yourself caught up to speed because today we are going to be talking about like some of the things that go wrong like why people have problems um we're going to talk about some toxins and their roles in infertility um and then we'll see where we get from there. I'm not really – I'm not going to be too uh, adventurous and say, oh, we're going to get through this because we all know that that's not true. I don't ever follow the <laughs> follow the uh, the game plan. Um, so the question that, that came – that comes to mind and, and has, has been out there quite a bit and, and a lot of patients ask this are – is, you know, there are a lot of people in the country that are trying to have babies but are failing miserably – the right. the infertility rate is skyrocketing. Right. And a lot of people have come in and asked, you know, like, is is it really? Are we just catching it more? Are we hearing about it? Is it becoming more socially acceptable to talk about it? So is that why it seems like it's happening more often? And the answer is no. Um, it actually is. The number is actually rising. Right. Um, people, you know, we're seeing more infertility. We're seeing more people who are suffering multiple miscarriages. Right. And we're seeing 
more chronic disease happening. And I, I mean, my personal opinion is that that plays a role. There are things that we are exposed to. There are things that we are doing that to ourselves that are preventable. Right. And, you know, if, some of this stuff is some common sense, but some of it is really when you think about the big picture of things, it's it's a lot of just stuff that we're exposed to. Right. Well, and it's the same thing that we talk about here so often. The fact that, you know, so many chronic issues are not diagnosed or misdiagnosed by conventional medical doctors. It's that same issue that we have when we're dealing with, you know, we're looking at fertility. If you've got these underlying issues that are never addressed or even identified because, you know, doctors are telling you, no, you're fine. You shouldn't have any problem getting pregnant. Well, then, I mean, it makes sense that the number of, you know, people suffering from infertility is going to increase. Right. So for someone to become pregnant, for a lady to become pregnant, there's a couple of things that have to be looked at. One, the overall health of the the woman in question. And number two, the health of her eggs. What's going on there? That matters. So basically in medical school, any 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 school where, you know, someone is going to learn to become a practitioner of, of any sort, they're basically taught that a woman is born with all the eggs that she'll ever have and that as she ages, the quality of her eggs will decline. Well, that's not quite the whole story. That's true. She is born with all that she's going to have. The quality does decline. But what they're, they're missing that these eggs are just kind of in a suspended state for most of their existence right up until just a few months before they're going to be, you know, called upon to, you know, be um, uh, expelled to possibly result in a child. So there is a lot of stuff that can go on to improve the quality of that egg that no one's really taught. It's just kind of ignored or not even mentioned. It's it's kind of weird. So, you know, when when an egg when an egg is is called upon to, you know, it's going to be um it's going to be released. They the, the follicle that it's that it's stored in becomes a lot bigger and they're going to make a lot more energy. So they they have all this mitochondria, and we've talked about mitochondria. For those of you who are new to the show, mitochondria are these things inside the cell that make um, make our energy. And they they make all this energy because they have to they have to separate and eject chromosomes once um, once uh, conception has taken place. As once we have fertilization then you have to make all of this energy to eject these chromosomes because we're, we're the egg and sperm, they, they, the chromosomes come together and they start splitting and, and replicating and pulling apart, and that takes massive amounts of energy. Right. Well, at least that's what's supposed to happen. Right. I mean, if, that, if it doesn't, that's how we end up with chromosomal abnormalities. Correct. And miscarriages. That's right. one of the reasons why we have miscarriages. That's or one of the failed, common things. failed IVF cycles altogether. Correct. Exactly. So the whole thing is really dependent on the, the health of the egg. I mean, we talked about, I think it was at the end of last show, um, that we talked about sperm health. Yeah, that's important too, but nowhere near as important as the health of the egg. Right. And, you know, and uh, this is part of why it's harder to conceive the older a woman gets. But what's frustrating is that most women are 
told they can't improve their egg quality. Right. You know, as you get older, you're just going to have to deal with the fact that the quality of her eggs is just not going to be what it was when you were younger. That's not exactly true. Um, there are a number of things that women can do that can help improve egg quality, and there are things they can that they you know can do or may be doing that can negatively impact the egg quality. Right. I mean, the, that's the the fact that they're just not even the fact that they're not told. Oh, hey, by the way, you know, you can do this to improve your improve the health of your egg. Well, it's not even that. It's not even the fact that they're not told. It's that they're actually, you know, we see so many women who come in and say, I've actually been told that I can't. You know, it's a definitive. It's not just that they're not giving the information. That there true. are things they can do to help it. That's true. They're actually cut off, told, nope, sorry, this is what you've been dealt. And, you know, this is your hand. This is the hand you have to play. And, I mean, it's the same thing we see with so many health issues in our clinic where we get frustrated with conventional medicine because that's not true. Right. It's very, it's far from true. And, and it stops people from looking for more answers. Exactly. And to me, it's a it's a I mean, a, for those of you who know me, know that I basically read all day, every day. And that's just kind of what I do. It, there's a well and see patients. Well, yeah, but and I mean, and, you know, well, yeah, I do all that, too. But uh, to see uh, the patients that we see, you have to read. You have to know this information. Um, you to teach, you have to read, you have to know this information. And to me, it just becomes a point where, you know, it's, it's just a laziness factor. If you're not willing to go out there and figure out, you know, what it is that you don't know, that's just laziness on your part. And I mean, that's, that's, that's my opinion. Um, so to, to, to go back to the whole nutrition component, I mean, to, to, really truly grasp and get a hold of the nutrition you have to have a really really strong hold on physiology i was teaching a, a class a month or so ago and i asked you know what they thought the most important subject was when it comes to being able to apply things to a patient's health and the you know one one person said biochemistry i'm like well yeah biochemistry is good but how are you going to apply that to a human like, what, how are you going to do it? And so the answer that this individual started giving is, is a good answer. But I'm like, yeah, but your answer that you're giving is all physiology. It's all how the cells work and operate. That's what's important. So you got to have a really good grasp of physiology. Because in this, the egg being the single biggest factor in determining whether the, the, the embryo will survive and just make it to the next stage to where it can keep going and keep going. So we have to add all of that nutrition in and you have to have a, you know, as a, as a clinician, you got to have somebody in your, or as a patient, you have to have a clinician on your side that understands that it's not just, Oh, take a little bit of, of folate and everything's going to be fine. It doesn't work like that. That's not how we operate. It, the human body is just way more complex than, oh, you just need a little folate and a little vitamin D and you'll be fine. That's couldn't be farther from the truth. But all right, we got to take a break. Um, when we come back, we are going to talk about um, some chromosomal errors, like how they happen, what goes on um, with that. So we'll be back right after this. It's Wellness 101. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, if you're tuning in, this is, uh, or just tuning in, this is part four of our fertility uh, discussion uh, class, if you will. Um, before the break, we were talking about the importance of nutrition and helping eggs become healthy. And I'm just going to give you a, a little bit of trivia information here. So, 
I'm just going to put some numbers on this. Now, I'll be honest, these numbers for 99% of you are going to be incomprehensible, okay? So there are about 37.2 trillion um, cells in the human body. So we're about two times more than, than we have for national debt um, in, in cells, okay? But there are, in those 37 trillion cells, we have 37 times 10 to the 21st reactions happening every single second in the human body. Okay, that's a, that's a 37 with 21 zeros behind it, number of reactions going on every single second. That number of reactions requires a pretty substantial amount of nutrition. This is why nutrition is so important for the human body. Making sure you're getting adequate levels is critical to optimal health and wellness. That's just that's why it's so important. So Aaron's just staring at me blankly like, yeah, nobody cares. You're right. <laughs> nobody probably cares. But I did. And so that's this is the sort of stuff I read, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so I said before the we, we left for the break that when we came back, we were going to be talking about some chromosomal errors. So chromosomal errors. So how does uh, – how do we get – something that becomes abnormal? How do we end up with a chromosomal error? What I think a lot of people don't understand is that chromosomal abnormalities in the eggs don't happen over the course of 30 or 40 years. They happen literally in the few months, two, three, four months right before the egg is ovulated. That's when the the abnormalities take place. So Basically, in other words, what we're saying here is that aging doesn't directly cause chromosomal abnormalities. It creates conditions that predispose the eggs to mature um, incorrectly right before they're ovulated. So you're setting yourself up. As we age and we don't get adequate levels of nutrition, we're setting ourselves up for these these eggs to not be as healthy as they they could be. Right. But that actually, I mean, that's really great news to people who are, you know, getting older and still want to have a baby because it means that there's still if, a chance. Right. If you can just change the conditions before you ovulate, then you're going to increase the odds of an egg maturing with the correct number of chromosomes. Correct. And this is the exact same process that takes place that leads us to all chronic disease, right? It's the lack of adequate levels of nutrition. That's the the big piece. So knowing that you can influence the quality of your eggs that you ovulate before they are ovulated, I mean, that's a huge piece of the puzzle for a lot of, of women out there who are, you know, maybe in their upper 30s and deciding, you know what, let's have another kid or let's have my first child right. because I had a, an unbelievable career up until this point and I want, I'm right now I'm ready to have some kids. Right. There's whatever, a chance. whatever the case is that, yeah, that it's not. I mean, because most women are not told that they can even make a difference. Right. It's well, you know, this is probably happening because you are older. Right. Or, well, we just need to keep trying. And that's what everyone, is... every woman loves to be told is that she's getting older <laughs> oh, over yeah. and over and over again. Right. As she's getting older. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Which that's, is that's 35, 35. And you're. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
you'll be constantly reminded how old you are. Yes, it's, <laughs> it, yes, that's exactly right. They throw you in a whole different high risk pool and all yep. kinds of stuff. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Um, so energy production in the egg. So why does the egg have to be able to manufacture such tremendous amounts of energy? It does this because we have to go through the process of meiosis, and that is when a cell is dividing and splitting and going from you know two individual cells, an egg and a sperm, into 37 trillion cells that make up a human body, right? We started with two and end up with 37 trillion. It's pretty impressive. So when we, when we, when we have to make all this energy, this is made in the mitochondria in that cell. And like I said before, these are the little energy power plants of the cell. This is what's actually making the energy for the cell and the body as a whole. An egg has a single egg, one little cell egg, has 15,000 mitochondria per egg. This is an enormous amount. It's 10 times more than any other cell in the body. Think about that. Think about your heart for a second. Your heart beats all day, every day without a rest, and it has has maybe 1,500 mitochondria in it. The, an egg has 15,000, and then you have cells that you know have very few mitochondria, may have single digits. Um, you know, some of you are probably pretty certain that uh, you know someone who has a brain cell that only has one or two mitochondria in it. Um, and some days we may all feel that way. Um, but that's it's it's just massive how much energy these little boogers make and this this ability to produce this energy drops over time and it drops over time because of oxidative damage and we've talked on this show in previous shows before about oxidative damage and what this stuff is this is free radicals this is not having enough nutrition this is you know just damage that's taking place in the body because we're not able to to keep ourselves as healthy as we as we can. But remember, this happens just a few months before the egg is set to be released. That's just, it's just unbelievable that these things can be changed and altered for the better. But this again is also why when someone, when a lady comes into the office and starts bringing up the idea of, well, you know, I want to have a, you know, I'm thinking about becoming pregnant within the next couple of months. I'm like, wait, hold up, wait a minute, stop, time out. How healthy are you? What's going on? You know, we, we we back up and we start talking about all this stuff. I'm like, you might it might be better served for you. You may increase your chances of getting pregnant and then having a much healthier baby if we just take a few months on the front end and get your nutrition right, and then say, okay, now the reins are off. You're turned loose. Go do your thing. Right, and I. I also know from, you know, a woman's perspective, when you're ready to have a child, like that's the last thing that you want to hear is that, you know, you need to give this a few months or, you know, even six months to get yourself ready to have the healthiest child possible. But that's why, I mean, we're doing this show. And if you're someone who is out there thinking, yeah, eventually I'm going to want to have kids or I'm eventually going to want to have another kid, whatever, you know, the case may be, um, it it's time to Get in with a functional medicine practitioner now and get these things and make sure that your body is working correctly because you don't want to get to that point where you're like, all right, you know, I'm ready and you're excited and you're then you find out, oh, wait, I've got, you know, six months that I actually am going to need to get my body back to, you know, healthy enough to. 
and, to know that I can have a healthy and child. I've, I've literally had to tell women in the office, look, you're not ready. It's going to take us a little bit more time. And much to their chagrin, they waited, but we also, you know, things were successful. Right. Well, and, and these I, are these. This is this is a couple of ladies that I'm thinking of in particular. That one had two failed IVFs, and the other one had five before anyone told them, "Hey, wait, let's hold up. Let's there's this is stuff we're looking at and we're watching." And all of a sudden, boom, it worked. Right. And it's not to say. I mean, and that's you know, those are. We certainly have had a number of women in, that come into the clinic after, you know, failed IVF temp, attempts or... Um, a lot more failed IUIs. Right. Well, that's they're much more common. Yeah. I mean, they're much more likely to fail. But also, um, you know, multiple miscarriages or just um, have not gone, you know, want to maybe avoid fertility treatments and they just have not been able to get pregnant naturally. All of these different things. There's also a large amount of women who come in who just um don't have any you know they don't know what the reason is why they're not able to get pregnant um and they come and start seeing us and we've recommended that they wait and they don't what we do see and it doesn't always happen i mean you know i'm we're certainly not saying that you know you can't have you know that your body has to be perfect to have a child we all know people who are you know unhealthy and end up having healthy babies but the issue is, is that a lot of times the pregnancy is going to be much more difficult. The child is going to have a higher likelihood of having problems. Will the child have any significant problems? No, I mean, that's not that's even no. necessarily as a child, but even later in life. Exactly. I mean, but there are so many things that go into that. So, I mean, we're not sitting here saying, hey, if you don't do this, you'll never have a healthy baby. We're just saying, you know, do you want to play those odds? I just, I yeah. wouldn't. Um and, you know, and, and especially looking at like the hormonal issues that go on, you know, a lot of times when women choose not to take those few months, you know, that we've recommended, we'll see depression and anxiety. We'll see, you know, postpartum issues. There are so many things that happen when we, you know, I mean, we know we're connected to nutrition and, you know, and toxins, all of these other things that we're talking about. Um, and if you can just take a few months to get that right, then, you know, that's one less thing that you have to worry about because, you know, when you're pregnant, you've got plenty of other things to worry about. Right. That's exactly right. So we've got to take another break. When we come back, we are going to talk about toxins and infertility. We're going to dive into um, one uh, BPA and the other one we're going to talk about, um, and then the next one we're going to talk about is um, phthalates. Um, should be very interesting information. We're going to point out some some uh, things that we've noticed um, going through this whole process ourselves and then some you know common sense things it's ma- mainly common sense stuff that's just like huh well that doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense this way or that way so stick around um, more on these uh, toxins and infertility when we come back you're listening to wellness 101 and welcome back ladies and gentlemen you're just tuning in we're talking today about uh, our Fourth show, I think, on um, infertility. And before we took the break, we were talking about um, energy and energy production and why nutrition is so important in the egg. Um, but I said when we came back, we were going to we we're going to shift gears and and go over into toxins and infertility. Two of the toxins we're going to talk about are BPA and phthalates. 
So BPA, um, where so this this portion with BPA is really just going to be an overview. Um, because we're going to do an entire show on BPA. It's such a huge topic it's that we massive. kind of tried to, to you know, um, condense everything into, you know, what was really important we thought to know as far as, you know, in relation to fertility. But it's it's massive and there's so much research that's been done on it. So we just right. decided, you know what, we're going to kind of take that out and do a separate show. Um, so that infertility does not become like a 10 part series, but, <laughs> right. but exactly. we are going to cover it here because it's so important. Exactly. So the BPA stands for bisphenol A. What this stuff is, is it's an endocrine disruptor, meaning that it messes up your hormones. It just completely messes them all up. Okay. You may have never even heard of it. Um, but maybe you have. I'm not really sure. You find this stuff in plastics, things like water bottles, saran wrap, um, any kind of plastic wrap like that, plastic um, containers that you may put food in and and throw in the freezer or in the fridge. Um, but And I, I don't recommend that you store food in plastic um, ever. Um, just go ahead and and don't do that. Um, that's one takeaway from this. But if you if you look closely in the market, what you're going to see is an ever increasing number of BPA free products out there. You're seeing it more and more. Um, companies are making you know their water bottles, their you know the 20 ounce water bottles that you buy or 16 ounce water bottles that you buy in a case of 24 or whatever at a time, you're seeing more and more of those that will have a little BPA free sticker on those and which is, which is good. But what's interesting about BPA and the research is there have been animal studies that have shown that um, normally occurring chromosomally, chromosomally, there's a lot of LY words here. Um, normally occurring chromosomally abnormal eggs account for about one to two percent of of a woman's eggs or the the animal the female animal whatever that was. But if BPA is present, that number actually spiked up to forty percent of the eggs being chromosomally abnormal. That's an incredible jump. I mean, we went from one to two percent. One out of a hundred, maybe two out of a hundred to forty out of a hundred, almost half. This is just an insane jump. And I mean, there's there's a there's one large study on BPA that is is a BPA in humans study. It found a link between BPA exposure and diabetes, heart disease, and liver toxicity. That's huge. I mean you're you're linking a toxin in you know a product that you know we've we've all drank water out of a a uh, plastic bottle and for those of you that that drank water out of a plastic bottle um, or haven't drank water out of a plastic bottle my guess is you probably had a soda out of a plastic bottle um, something um, you were exposed to BPA and. What's interesting is in 2011, the FDA finally banned BPA from baby bottles and sippy cups, but it didn't really matter at that point because all of the manufacturers of these products had already switched to BPA-free products 
based on consumer demand. So mamas were figuring this stuff out and through such a fit that they changed, literally changed how companies do business. And I think a lot of us forget that we can alter how companies do business by not purchasing certain products and purchasing other products. Right. And you're never going to find people that are, you know, more fiercely, you know, in favor of eliminating bad things than mothers with their children. Right. Right. I mean, and so that's why I think that's the first place that we start to see this, because that's where, you know, I mean, the amount of research that most mothers are doing as far as what, you know, products they're using on their babies. I mean, how crazy is it that we have, you know, I mean, think about all of the, you know, and I'm realizing this, you know, as we're expecting our first child that, you know, the detergent is different. The, you know, the lotion is different. The wash is different. Like everything is different because we don't want to put that on our babies when we put it on ourselves. I mean, right. so, but I mean, it makes no sense. And that's, <laughs> that's one of the things that just baffles me. I mean, we, we took BPA out of baby products, but it's, but adults can still have it. How, I mean, this is one of those common sense things. If it's not good for a baby, how in the world is it good for an adult? It makes zero sense. Right. I mean, it also, what else makes zero sense is, you know, I, I took a I took a you know trip down I don't know I don't we were in I don't know Bye Bye Baby or Babies R Us I don't know one of the baby stores and just looking around at stuff so I took a trip down the little food aisle and I was blown away by the number of organic baby foods almost all of those baby foods in that store were organic I couldn't believe it everything was organic but yet you go to a grocery store where adults buy food and you got like Two little sections of some organic vegetables, and that's about it. What in the world is going on? From what I've been told, um, you know, and granted, this is, you know, my first child, but even talking to, you know, friends who had children 10, 15 years ago, that was not necessarily the case. Like, you had to go out of your way to find it. But again, that's consumer demand, and that's how we get things changed. And, you know, I mean... The research on BPA is so alarming that it's crazy that it was ever included in any, you know, baby bottles and sippy cups and that sorts of, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. Do we want to stop on that? Yeah, let's move on to phthalates. We'll do a whole show. On- <laughs> There's an entire show's worth of information on BPA. It is just It literally is baffling. Well, did we mention, I mean, because one of the reasons why it's so important is that we, the one thing that research has shown is that BPA crosses the placenta. Oh, no, we didn't say that. Yeah, BPA crosses. Yeah. So that's why, you know. And it gets into amniotic fluid. Right. It's been found in, you know, it'll be found in the fetus and the amniotic fluid. So we know that through, I mean, research that's been done. And that's scary. And that's why it's important not only to make sure that, you know, once your baby is born, that you're avoiding BPA, but also while you're pregnant, while you're trying to become pregnant and really just all the other times in your life because <laughs> it's not a good thing. Yeah, just, just <laughs> remove this thing from your from your life. Just run run from it. Um, so another, another toxin to avoid is phthalates. Now, phthalates are found in plastics as well, um, but they're also found in things like nail polishes, um, fragrances, they're fragrances, meaning anything that has a, an artificial smell, colognes, lotions, stuff like anything where a fragrance is applied to fabric softeners have phthalates in them. Yeah. And can I tell you, I mean, so <laughs> I, and this might be different for me than, you know, anyone else, but as 
during the first trimester, I was like very, I you know, aversion to different smells. For some reason, second and third trimester, there are some things that just smell wonderful to me. And one of them um, happens to be this Christmas tree <laughs> fragrance. Oh, my gosh. And oh, it's terrible. Been, it's terrible. Let me tell you, it's awful smelling. It's all I can do to stay away from it because TJ is just like, you know, steering me away every time we go in the store because it's everywhere. I mean, there's these little containers and it is literally like the terrible. best thing I've ever terrible. smelled in my life. And he's terrible. like, that is full of phthalates. You can't do it. And that's the only thing that's kept me away. Otherwise, I would just like stick them up my nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> she said, said it right here on the air in everything, in front of God and everybody. Um, yes, and I do. I just I grab her by the hand, and then we. I'm like, no, you get away from that. But it's it's the same thing we talked about before. That like you know, I'm like, oh, I have you know, I'm growing a baby. I can't smell it. But like, it wasn't good for me before. No, that. it wasn't good. For I mean, you before but that. but I would have you know totally put myself at risk for that. But yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> It's, it's very true. So one of the things about phthalates that I find interesting is that in the European Union, they actually officially recognize phthalates as a reproductive toxin. I find that very intriguing um, that we don't necessarily do that here in the United States. But well, in we Europe, see that a lot. Well, yeah, that's I mean, true. There's, there, are a lot of, yeah. there are a lot of pharmaceuticals that no one in Europe would will ever see or, you know, were banned very quickly and we still take them yeah, as a country. So it's sad. But so we basically with the phthalates, we remove these things from baby toys. But what about everything else? If it's, I mean, why are we not, why are we not taking this stuff out? I mean, my guess is the plastic bottles still have phthalates in them. It says BPA free, but that doesn't mean phthalate free. Right. I mean, and, you know, I see that this stuff is taken out of certain things because like the, we do a lot of IV nutrition in our clinic and the IV line sets actually say on them phthalate free. Right. So we know this stuff can be removed from, from, uh, from plastics. Right. Because that's that's the stuff that we utilize when we administer an IV. So we know that it's, it's possible, but why are we not doing this on a bigger scale? I, I'm not sure. Right, and we know that you know it drastically affects a developing follicle and egg and woman's hormone levels. Right, exactly. All right, we got to take another break. Um, when we come back, we're going to continue on our tirade against phthalates. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're listening to Wellness 101. And welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are in the last segment of our fourth show, and yeah, we might have four more shows. No, I'm just no, teasing. Don't. I'm just teasing. <laughs> <laughs> I would be fine talking for four more shows on this. Um, so, before the break, we were talking about phthalates, um, and we were on our uh, we were, we were going to pick up the uh, phthalate discussion here on the backside. We were talking about how this stuff you find this stuff in plastics and nail polishes and fragrances and fabric softeners and places like that. And that the European Union has recognized this officially as a reproductive toxin. These things massively increase oxidative stress and free radicals um, and free radical damage that takes place. And that's that's one big contributing factor to infertility is the oxidative stress that happens um, to the eggs. Um, well, the, and I think that what's also important about phthalates that we know is that it's been shown to contribute to allergies, eczema, I mean, and, and then brain development, thyroid function, asthma, 
all of these things that are increasing in our society and nobody, you know, I mean, we're not, you know, connecting it back to phthalates when that could very well be a, you know, a part of it at least. And right. I know we see that in the clinic when people eliminate these things, a lot of their issues go away. Now, right. those aren't the only things that could contribute to allergies and eczema and those sorts of right. things, but it a lot of times is a big part of it and it is just i think surprising because that's something that i had not realized for myself before trying to get pregnant how much of a difference eliminating phthalates can make right that's exactly right and I mean, how much it, how many things have phthalates in them <laughs> yes that's that's the key is grasping the gravity of this situation I mean, they're just, they're everywhere because in I, everything. I think that phthalates are something that, I, at least for me, um, you know, I've been very cautious with food and, you know, things like that for a long time. You know, food and, and you know, not taking medications. But, I mean, phthalates and, and even BPA, I had eliminated. But phthalates were something that I had not done a lot of research before trying to get pregnant. And then the more you read, the more you're thinking, why is this in anything? Right. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Re- research even shows like you'll they'll find biologically active forms of phthalates in much higher quantities in um, the blood of, of women who have had massive numbers of or frequent numbers of um, miscarriages. They'll have more of these things right. in them. Well, and I think something that I, that reminds me that was really alarming to me when I was reading up on phthalates is that there is this loophole allowing manufacturers not to list all of the ingredients and fragrances, which right. means phthalates don't have to be on the label. Right. You may, I mean, it may not say anything about phthalates and still have it in there. That's why they, they get away with just listing, quote, fragrances right so be cautious about anything that just has fragrance added because if it doesn't say it's phthalate free probably has phthalates in it right that's exactly yeah i mean you're you're 100 correct i mean phthalates is another one of those things that we in the future we may do a, a show entirely on phthalates because they're just there's that much information out there there's, and they, i think so much that isn't said i mean like right. i you know i mean i think we're learning like i said so much about food so much about you know medications um well, and, and, and we're finally testing this stuff somebody right. identified it and then we're like wait maybe this is a big issue and so now you're testing it and researchers are looking into it a lot deeper than they were in the past because you know we have to the researchers are always looking for reasons for something to be going on mm-hmm. and so as we're seeing this rise in, in infertility, there's got to be reasons for it. And if they can find another reason that can be contributing, good for them. And right. this is one of those things. No, exactly. And we've been able to tie it back to a lot of problems. And it is something that I think is still looked at like, okay, you know, some people are crazy and they are, you know, avoiding everything and they're avoiding phthalates. But, you know, like it hasn't become mainstream and it really should. And we may do an entire show on, <laughs> right. on convincing you why you should be staying away from phthalates. Right. Um, so before we go too much more into, you know, this, let's, we're going to we're just kind of shift gears here with toxins um, because there are so many out there that you've got to avoid and things to just 
be aware of that exist out there. Staying away from things like dioxin and atrazine and perchlorate, fire retardants. That's another one that's that's very toxic. Lead, arsenic, mercury. We test for these all the time in our clinic, and people are amazed when they see, oh my gosh, I have lead. Where's all this lead coming from? Or where am I having, you know, where's all this, where's all this, um, you know, mercury coming from? And we we had a couple couple the other day. Bless her heart. The 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 wife was in. Her husband came with her to to talk about the results and and you know it was uncovered that she had relatively high levels of arsenic. We're not really certain where exactly it, it was coming from. And she she kind of raised an eyebrow and looked at her husband and I looked at him I'm like. Is it you? And he goes, he had the best response I've had in a long time. He said, oh, no, if it was me, her levels would be way higher than that. <laughs> it was just comical, right? Where where she was getting it, I don't know. But we had no reason to suspect arsenic. We had reason to suspect lead. But when you when you come up across these things, and there's no rhyme or reason why people have these things. These are, this is stuff that's important to be tested. And I think that... When you start testing and identify, oh my gosh, these are things that are going on with me, and then you can start making steps in the right direction, that's all That's all that anyone ever really cares about is knowing that they're doing what is possible to be healthy. Right. Well, and yeah, I think that's, you know, that's the important of testing thing, these things, and it's an important point that most of the time when people have high levels of these different toxins and, you know, and metals – they don't know where they came from. Right. I think that that's a huge misconception because right. I think a lot of people have been told by medical doctors, well, you don't, where would you have gotten it? Well, right. I mean, yeah, you don't have mercury poisoning where, I mean, do you right. have mercury fillings or do you, you know, or well, they don't ever ask that question because that doesn't, <laughs> that that's not, I mean, we know that that's true, but the, uh, not true, but they don't ever ask that question. But I mean, you know, like if you don't have known reasons why you you know, believe you were exposed to it, then they're just like, no, like that's silly. That's, right. you know, alternative stuff to trying to sell you things. Well, we actually know <laughs> right. that most of the time when people have toxic levels, they have no clue where they came from. And I am one example. I know I've said that on that on this before. I yep. had extremely high levels of mercury and I still don't know where it came from, but it doesn't matter. Right. What matters is the fact that I went through the chelation process to get it out, which is a huge issue if you want to become pregnant. That's exactly right. Some other ones, there's just a couple others to pay attention to. Um, PFCs or perfluorinated chemicals, um, organophosphate pesticides, that's another big one. Um, you know, this is stuff that you may be exposed to. You may not be a farmer, but you may be exposed to it because they spray this stuff and it gets in the air and it travels and that's how you get exposed. Um, glycol ethers, um, quaternary ammonium compounds. There are just there are tons of toxins out there that can be, you know, problematic. And you know, you may not know where the exposure is coming from. In fact, a lot of people don't. They just don't. But now, if you aren't diligent, you, you chances are you're being going to get exposed. Right. Exactly. And why not? It's better to know that you have something there that could be contributing to health issues than to just be blindly going along thinking, oh, I caught this because, you know, that's just what happens. We don't you don't catch a chronic disease. You don't catch infertility. This is stuff that happens um, for reasons. And we have to figure out what those reasons are for you. Um, all right. Well, we've are about out of time for today's show. Um, 
I guess we will be back next week to talk about show number five. It is five. five. But we've got some. I mean, we're really getting into the important, you know, the. It's all important. It is all important. But the stuff you can actually do, the testing, you know, the real changes that you need to make, well, other than toxins, I guess. Right. So if you want more information, visit our website, theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com. Give us a call, 314-293-8123. You can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. We have stuff up there all the time. Um, Write us notes, email us, Facebook message. However, contact us. We'll respond as quickly as we can. Um, For Aaron, I'm Dr. TJ. This has been Wellness 101. Thanks for listening.